Second Peter 2, verses 6 to 8, these words. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Must remember, beloved, that the Apostle Peter is illustrating here, by example, the truth that is stated in the very next verse following our text. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. That's the conclusion of a lengthy sentence here that begins already in verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, and then in verse 5, and spared not the old world, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, then, that's the idea, then it's plain that the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of punishment, of judgment to be punished. Here, the Apostle Peter, in connection, remember, with what he has said of the unrighteous who shall threaten and trouble the Church of Christ in the future, the false teachers who deny Christ and who bring the church into disrepute by their own lascivious walk and who shall even make merchandise of the church. Apostle Peter emphasizes that we, the saints, the church, need not fear because God knows how to deliver the righteous from temptation, and he also knows how to keep the unrighteous unto the day of judgment. We have three examples of that. The fallen angels, Noah in the world before the flood, whom we considered last Sunday, and now, in our text for this afternoon, the example of Lot, who was delivered. Our text of the passage concerning Noah is a little different. Noah, uh, the Lord had placed Noah, 
in the midst of the wicked world. Lot entangled himself in the wicked world. With Noah, the wickedness which the Lord judged was universal. The first world was destroyed in the flood. And the case of Lot, it was the difference that the wickedness was local. It was limited to the cities of the plain, to Sodom and Gomorrah. And the viewpoint seems to be here in our text that the Lord will and can deliver his children even when they mix themselves up in difficult places. We'll have more to say about that in a little later this afternoon. But that's the case here. The Lord delivered Lot, even though Lot deliberately went and moved first to the plain of Jordan and obviously later right into the city of Sodom and got himself mixed up there in that city of Sodom and got himself into a very difficult, almost impossible position. With those remarks of introduction, I speak to you this afternoon on God preserving righteous lot. God preserving righteous Lot. Let's notice in the first place his preservation in Sodom. And in the second place his deliverance out of Sodom. Those two aspects. His preservation in Sodom. His deliverance out of Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah were cities probably think, well, that's a truism. Of course they were cities. But that's significant. City life involves a massing together of men who live in close contact, close proximity to one another. And Along with that goes a massing of human strength and human talent and human ingenuity. And because of that, there is in the city a faster development and a greater manifestation of human power. The city produces the things that enhance and enrich and enlarge human life in general. The city develops civilization. It's worthy of note, too, however, 
that Cain, wine of the carnal seed, Cain is the father of the city. That doesn't mean, of course, that cities are wrong as such, by no means. But the point is that Cain was a civilization builder, if you will. And that civilization building of Cain was, of course, put in the service of sin and of lust. That was the case with Sodom and Gomorrah. They were cities, centers of civilization. And the cities were thriving. Sodom and Gomorrah are representative of the world in its riches of development. For one thing, they were most beautifully and richly situated in the plain of Jordan. Beautiful and well watered. You read of that in Genesis 13. And Lot first went and moved to the cities of the plain. You read that when Abraham gave him first choice as to where he wanted to live, that Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, this is Genesis 13, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. So that was the case with Sodom and Gomorrah. They were rich and beautiful, and they were busy and developing in the things of the world. The Lord Jesus says of Sodom and Gomorrah, they did eat and drink, that is, they enjoyed all the pleasures of the world, they bought and they sold, there was business and commerce there, they planted, there was agriculture there, and they builded, there was industry there. So you must not just think of Sodom and Gomorrah as uh, some kind of a murderous hole and a bad place to live in from a natural and from a material point of view. There were riches and joy and prosperity to be had in Sodom. You can... Uh, connection with Sodom and Gomorrah, think of some of the large cities today, the Melbourne or Sydney or Brisbane, centers of civilization. In the third place, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah are representative 
of the world in its wickedness. That's emphasized in Scripture. Again, in uh, Genesis 13, you read of that concerning Sodom and Gomorrah, that they were uh, wicked and sinners exceedingly. Immediately after Lot made his choice, you read about that. In chapter 13, Verse 13, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. It was toward those cities that Lot pitched his tent, you read in verse 12. And then very strikingly, immediately after the story about Lot, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. That's the description of Sodom and Gomorrah. The cry of their wickedness came up to Jehovah Sabaoth. According to Genesis 18, there were not ten righteous men there. And Abraham prayed, there were no ten righteous men in the whole city. There was universal immorality of the most horrible type. The very term sodomy has become proverbial, named after those wicked cities. So Sodom and Gomorrah at this time were ahead of all the world in wickedness. Their measure of iniquity was filled. They were ripe for judgment. That doesn't mean that later on there could not be more wicked cities. There were. The Lord Jesus tells us later that Bethsaida and Capernaum, for example, were more wicked even than Sodom and Gomorrah. But at that particular point in history, and with that particular civilization, and with that particular uh, knowledge of the will, the law of God, Sodom and Gomorrah had filled their measure of iniquity. They had become as wicked as possible for them. The wickedness of Sodom's sin had become fully manifest. Only when that happens does judgment fall as it did. On Sodom and Gomorrah. That reminds us also, beloved, that where there is a fast development of life, there is also a fast development of corruption. The two always go hand in hand. That fast development of life 
furnishes the means, the tools for spiritual, moral corruption at the same time. You can see that in everyday life. Our fathers, some of them, our grandfathers, could not sin with an automobile. Why not? Because there were no automobiles. We can. Fifty years ago, you couldn't sin with an airplane. You couldn't sin with a jet. Because there were no jets. You couldn't sin with television. I was a boy, you know, the, the question in Christian homes was not the question of television, it was a question of radio. Should you have a radio in your home? And if you do have a radio in your home, how are you going to control it? How are you going to control your children's use of it? We're long past that now. We not only have television, we have video. Video cassettes. You can bring the whole world with all its corruption. With all the corruption of, of, uh, of Hollywood, for example. Right into your living room. With the development of civilization. And where there's fast development of life of civilization. There's also fast development of corruption because that fast development of life furnishes men with more and more tools, more and more means to sin with. And that was Sodom. They lived solely for the things of this world. That's the picture that scripture draws. They enjoyed and they sought this life without being concerned about the things to come. They, they ate and they drank and they bought and they sold and so on. That's all they thought about. Didn't think about what was coming, what could come in the future. In that city, Lot lived. story of Lot's strife with Abraham is, I think, rather well known. Lot, with his uncle Abraham, had their herds and their flocks together, and there was strife that developed among their herdsmen, because the herds became too large, and uh, Abraham, very magnanimously, you remember, said to Lot, you take first choice. You choose where you want to go, and I'll take what's left. And Lot chose. And the choice of Lot was motivated altogether by the desire for riches. A text this afternoon 
emphasizes that Lot was a righteous man. And that's certainly true. You can't contradict that. He was a child of God. And it also emphasizes that Lot did not perish in the world. But that does not mean that Lot's choice at that time was to be approved. Doesn't mean that at all. There were other considerations at that time that could have held him back and that should have held him back. He should have considered the fact that he was going to be separated from his uncle Abraham. That he needed, he really needed, from a spiritual point of view, Abraham's support and Abraham's guidance. Besides, he was separating himself from the promise. Abraham had the promise. Separating himself historically from that. He should have considered that. He should have considered that his uncle Abraham, older than he was, should certainly have had first choice. He should have respected him. But he didn't. Lot had the big eye for riches, for prosperity. He looked all over and he, his eye fell on that plain of Jordan, the southern part of the valley of the Jordan, way down toward what is now the Dead Sea. Must have been different prior to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. But he saw that. That looked good to him. Looked very good to him. Looked very tempting to him. Looked rich. And he was tempted. Didn't pay any attention to the to the fact at the time, apparently, that it it was right by Sodom and Gomorrah. Didn't intend at first to to go and live there either, obviously. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. Because of that, he experienced the consequences too. Certainly did. It's true, according to our text also, that the Lord saved Lot. No question about that. For one thing, Lot had a very, very difficult life from a spiritual point of view in Sodom. Very difficult. Not only that, he evidently saw his family go to pieces there in Sodom. There were daughters of his that married men of Sodom. 
his sons-in-law, who were wicked men, lewd men, and his sons, who finally escaped Sodom with two of his daughters. He'd evidently learned a lot of bad things in Sodom, too, because later on they make their father drunk and commit incest with him. And his wife left her heart in Sodom. He lost her. He left her heart in Sodom. Couldn't stand to leave it. And she was changed into a pillar of salt. So Lot experienced the, the consequences of his choice also. You know, beloved, it's better it's better to stay a little closer to the church if you can. Dangerous not to do that. And finally, Lot landed in the city. First pitched his tent toward Sodom, but finally he's right in Sodom. His wife had her desire there. Some of his daughters married there. Through that process, Lot became, from a spiritual point of view, you might say, a, a loner in the midst of godless Sodom, in the midst of a godless world. That's the point here in, in Peter. Only emphasis is on that in Peter. That righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. <coughs> the point of the text is that, that God preserved Lot tempted there. Sorely tempted. But very plain from, from the uh, narrative in Genesis also. Very plain. It was hard for him to leave. You know? But look what happened. The men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which buried his daughters and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. And, uh, but he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons. And so you have more of the same thing. But there was Lot in that wicked city. It shows us, beloved, that 
though the church be ever so small, though the believer is even all alone in the world, God keeps his own and preserves them. He kept Lot not only when Sodom was destroyed, but he kept Lot in the city, preserved it. How was that revealed? Well, for one thing, Lot lived, however weakly, Lot lived as a friend of God. He vexed his righteous soul. He didn't just go along with Sodom and Gomorrah and everything they did. He saw their unrighteous deeds and he heard them and he was repulsed by them. And he was weary of their walk. The text in the English uses the same word twice. He delivered just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. And in verse 8, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their ungodly deeds. But the one term that is used here is that he was weary of their walk. That has in view really the, the end of his stay in Sodom. He was after all, glad to get out of Sodom. He couldn't. You know, he couldn't. He'd gotten himself involved. That's what happens when, when a child of God goes and does what Lot did. He got himself involved. Finally, you could say, well, he's stuck there. He's got his wife there. She doesn't want to get out. Got his children there. Some of his children are married there. Sons-in-law are there. He was involved as far as his life was concerned. He couldn't just up and get out. Not only that, it's plain from Scripture that Lot also testified. Maybe his testimony wasn't so strong. Maybe it was a bit timid even, you might say. But he testified. He, he condemned their wickedness. We have an example of that in verse 9 of chapter 19. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn. And he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal even Lot and came near to break the door. That was the situation. He testified. He was still known in uh, Sodom, not as a citizen, not as one of the gang, but as a sojourner. That was, remember, the fruit of God's grace. The righteous Lot had grace. And in that grace, 
The Lord preserved him. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. That's the point here. Remember. Very plainly. However weak Lot may have been. Whatever negative things you may say about him. He was a child of God. He was a righteous man. He vexed his righteous soul. And that the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations refers to that first of all, that the Lord preserved Lot spiritually there in the midst of Sodom. You would, you might say, Lot Lot did practically everything to foil that. He did everything wrong. But the Lord preserved him. That explains the fact that Lot testified. That explains the fact that he condemned their wickedness. That explains the fact that he himself was willing to go out of the cities when the time came. The cities were destroyed. Turned to ashes. They were condemned with an overthrow, we read. It was a wonder. Remember that. Not an ordinary natural event. It seems strange that whenever Scripture records a wonder for us, there are always men who are trying tooth and nail to destroy the idea of the wonder. They do that here too. They try to explain that Sodom and Gomorrah located down there near the Dead Sea were located in an area where there was uh, oil in the ground and there was pitch and so on, all kinds of flammable materials and that somehow or other that got ignited and that that destroyed the cities. That's not the case. Not the case at all. You read specifically there in Genesis 19, the Lord rained fire from the Lord out of heaven. The angel of the Lord, the angel of Jehovah was there. The Old Testament manifestation of the Christ He was there on earth at Sodom. And that Lord rained fire from Jehovah out of heaven. That's what you read in Genesis 19. It was a wonder. A wonder that was typical of the end wonder of judgment back to that presently. That took place suddenly. Nobody thought of it. They ate and they drank and they did business and were engaged in commerce and agriculture and industry. They just went on living. Nobody thought of it. 
Nobody thought it was possible. When Lot talked to his sons-in-law, he was as one that mocked. Amen. They were all busy with the things of the world and busy with their sin. Fire came down from heaven and destroyed them all. That's an example. It's an example not of what always takes place in history. That doesn't happen. Maybe the Lord could send fire on Melbourne then too. Or on Chicago. Or on Hollywood. You'd say. But it's an example of the end. The final judgment. The day is coming, beloved, when God shall do with the whole world what he did with Sodom and Gomorrah. The very elements shall melt with fervent heat. The world also and the things that are therein shall be burned up the same Apostle Peter says in the third chapter. We'll get to that after a while. That was it. And Lot was delivered. Lot was delivered out of that catastrophe. That was Abraham's problem, you know. Genesis 18. He wasn't concerned about Sodom. He knew Sodom was wicked. He was concerned in his prayer in Genesis 18 about the righteous in Sodom. And Lot represented the righteous in Sodom. That was solved, that problem, by the Lord as far as Lot was concerned. Lot might not perish there. That would be like going to hell. The righteous can't go to hell. And that's true as far as the end of history is concerned. When, when everything is burned up after a while, then God shall, by his angels, save his people. But there's one more thing. The Lord saved Lot out of Sodom. That belongs to this. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Lot had to get out of Sodom. Humanly speaking, you would say, if Lot stayed in Sodom any longer, he couldn't survive as a child of God. He had to get out. And the church also has to get out of the world. And that's a wonder of grace. Only by the wonder of grace that the church is preserved, that the saints are preserved, and that the church is taken out of the world, finally, into the glory of the everlasting kingdom, while the world goes to destruction under the judgment and wrath of 
God. He knows how to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. He showed that. He showed that in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he showed how he delivers the godly out of temptations. Also at Sodom and Gomorrah in the case of Lot. Our God is great. His salvation is great. His power to save is great. Let your trust, beloved, be only in that power. Amen. So we stand for prayer. Merciful Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy word and testimony. We ask, wilt thou give thy word a place in our hearts and in the hearts of our children? Go with us in the rest of this day and keep us in thy care. Remember us in all our needs and go with us in the days of the week that lie ahead. Give us grace that we may walk as thy children and serve thee, our God, and show forth thy praises in word and deed. For Jesus' sake, amen. Our concluding psalm is Psalm 125. They in the Lord that firmly trust shall be like Sion Hill, which at no time can be removed, but standeth ever still. 125, all the verses. unto thee. 
The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.